There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. But yesterday we were talking about the start of Eating Disorders Week. And we were talking to BodyWise uh, that this is Eating Disorders Week. We got a message afterwards from Maria. Uh, Maria would like to discuss more a condition called ARFID. A-R-F-I-D. Which stands for, actually, you tell me, Maria, what does it stand for and how does it affect you? Good morning. Hi. Um, well, ARFID, it stands for Avoidance Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. Okay. Um, it used to be known as Selective Eating Disorder. I don't know why they changed it. Maybe it's just more descriptive, but it's kind of something I've been dealing with my whole life. Like, I'm 30 now and I've had it my whole life. It's not, I think it's quite different to other eating disorders in that way mm. um, although can can acquire it like as well it was officially recognized as an eating disorder i think around 2013 how, how does it affect you maria um got like i suppose growing up i was always told oh i'm a picky eater and you know had issues with that and then just even staying over friends houses and being asked for dinner there's the panic that sets in because you don't want to be rude but like at, like I suppose it affects my physical health in the fact that the things that I'm most like averse to would be I suppose vegetables and it's mostly the texture mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm not getting enough nutrients there and then my mental health because I'm stressed about not being healthy and it causes me a lot of anxiety and then also my social health I suppose like some people mightn't think about it but like a lot of times when you go out it's either you go to the pub or else you go for food and you know it's kind of like my friends are all great they're really understanding they'll always try and make sure there's something I can eat where we do go Mm -hmm. but I can't help but feel like an inconvenience and it would just be easier if I could just eat anything Mm-hmm. And you said about, say, the texture of vegetables. Yeah. And when I was doing a little bit of reading about this before I knew we'd be talking to you this morning, um, even something that you know you love to eat, you physically cannot bring yourself to eat it. Is that what it is? Yeah. Like, even, like, there's some stuff, like, I've never tried, and I just, I don't know if I could bring myself to eat it. Like... Uh, shellfish now I don't think I could I I just don't know if I could at the moment but like I know I like the flavor of like things like onions Mm. 
mm-hmm. but the texture if they're like in the dish and they're not soft or if even if I can see them then that kind of makes me panic it's kind of like a phobia but it I'm makes just, my body I'm react just saying that yeah it's almost like it's almost like you're afraid of 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 of, of a certain kind of food yeah Okay. It's it's strange. Like I'll try and because I can I can see someone eating. Like we just stick with onions. I can see somebody eating them in their food, and they might offer me some. And it's like I'm trying to tell myself like it's not going to kill you. People are eating it, you know. But it's like my body starts to react in that it's afraid, and right. it. And what kind of reaction just, would you have? It's kind of like my stomach will get tense and my throat will tighten up and like prepare to vomit, I suppose, as soon as it goes, you know, as soon as I attempt to eat it, even though I know it's safe. Yeah. Yeah. And is it all the normal foods that we would have like up in the morning, coffee and toast, boiled egg, in the daytime, a sandwich for your lunch, in dinner time, a bit of chicken, a few potatoes, like... Are they the ordinary things that we all eat that you have these reactions um, like, to? It depends. It actually depends from person to person. Mm. Um, myself, like I know some people would only have like, I think I read some people would only have like 20 safe foods. So foods they feel comfortable eating. Sure. For me, I don't think I'm that restrictive, but it's still tough and like, like I said, it's mostly texture, so I could have stuff in smoothies or in soups, and that's fine. Like I can have vegetable soup, no problem. Right. But if it's if it's not like blended, then that's where I have the issue. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said as well, it depends on the person. So I had a roommate in college who she was vegetarian and one of the main reasons was she didn't like the texture of meat but it wasn't a disorder for her because that lifestyle was accepted and she was getting what she needed from her food yeah is am i right in saying that you're also uh, you also have asd because it sounds a bit like a sensory thing with you yeah it's definitely like it's definitely sensory and it's one of the reasons like I went to try and get a a diagnosis for ASD so I only got the diagnosis I've only been diagnosed kind of a year and even then it's not official because I kind of got it through uh, mental health service in the HSC but they don't have an adult team for diagnosis so I can't officially get it done so I was hoping yeah yeah it was one of the things that kind of made me think that maybe that might be a thing and it's like it's it has affected my life a lot and it causes me a lot of stress and grief and I know a lot of that is brought on by myself just worrying about it but you know I can't help but worry about my health and everything like that. Yeah and with the ARFID it's it's a different kind of eating disorder in that you you can eat and you do eat but your eating is very restricted. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I'm not, like, I know people who have it, they can be underweight or they can be overweight, depending on what foods they eat. Um, personally, I'm a healthy weight now. I've never been underweight. I was kind of, like, I've, I've never been overweight either, but I've actually gone to see a nutritionist myself because of the condition and how it was affecting me because I wanted, I was afraid I wasn't being healthy enough or you know, I was worried about what I was eating. Mm-hmm. And 
due to that now I've kind of come back down to a normal weight mm-hmm. um one that I'm comfortable with but it's I'm still kind of I still wish I could eat more and yeah. eat more healthily yeah. but like that's the only thing I could think to do um that might be able to help so the nutritionist she's been great and she kind of worked with me to um, figure out what I could eat like what meals I could plan and then sure. what supplements I could take to you know account like make up for what I was missing yeah because you have nutritional deficiencies because of the things that your your condition will not allow you to eat and let's 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 put it into a simple term this condition that you have yeah does not you allow to allow you to eat certain things and before I, I'm going to talk to an expert about it in just a second but but before I do what I think your message um, Maria is I'm not a picky eater I'm not fussy I'm not crying I just can't eat that yeah yeah like I wanted to talk about it because like a lot of people just think oh you're just being picky and there's still that attitude of no you just need to sit them down and put the food in front of them and not leave them leave until they finish but it's a case of where if and that environment then makes things worse because I know for me the anxiety actually makes the effort worse and then there's days where I'd be anxious and I'd be even more restrictive in what I feel I could eat. So there's foods that I might feel safe other days if I'm having a really bad time. Okay. Then suddenly they're not safe for me and it's frustrating in that as oh, well. So the more stressed you get, the more fearful you get, the more fearful yeah. you get, the less you can eat. Yeah, and it's like my my mind focuses then on what the sort the texture or the experience of eating things and then it will like it overthinks it and then suddenly it's like no I can't eat that even though I've been able to eat it <laughs> all along. Sure, sure. Um, and and you could yeah. be sitting there very hungry and not able to eat. Yeah. Like there's been some times where I've got so stressed about not eating healthy and then the only option I feel like I can eat is unhealthy and I'd feel so ashamed and guilty that I just wouldn't eat then because I feel like I'm I'm hurting myself. But in that, then I am hurting myself. But I haven't had that since I've gone to the, the nutritionist because I know okay. that like I'm doing I'm as healthy as I can be for me right now, which is something that I'm trying to you know work on. Okay, stay there and feel free to listen in. I'm going to bring in Jacqueline Campion. We talked to her on the opinion line before. She's from the Marino therapy center and she has a podcast as well jacqueline listening to maria's story there i had no idea what arfid was it was only listed as an eating disorder less than 10 years ago but it's got an awful effect on her life good morning good morning pj thanks so much for having me on and thanks so much for maria just for bravely sharing like that and absolutely like you know it's it's as i said it's it's relatively new in terms of entering the diagnostic but it's it's always been there. We've always been experiencing it. But as Maria was even bravely speaking about there, the, the shame that can go with it because we're not always speaking about it. And as I've kind of mentioned before, like when it comes to eating disorders, we would kind of like to simplify the kind of whole umbrella term in terms of like it's the distress around food. And it can get so complicated because like even as Maria was was sharing there, you know, you, you try to rationalize the irrational and then you can even feel more frustrated, more distressed. And then it goes into this vicious cycle of these behaviors that on the outside looking in, 
if we don't have the understanding that the behaviour is information, that there's much more going on with the thinking and I would even say with the feeling, but even when there's very strong behaviours, it's hard to even, you know, label what's going on with the feeling because the mind is so quick and so chaotic and there's so much fear as you spoke about you know and it just it's it can really it's really debilitating you can feel quite silly you know because on the outside looking in like you said people often just kind of say you're picky eating and like just sit down there but in terms of even with sensory and the crossover even with like neurodiversity it's it requires that multidisciplinary approach of even just look first of all that there's no shame that you're not your behaviors the behaviors are information about what's going on underneath and often it's given us information with the relationship with ourselves and our mind, but learning the self-knowledge, learning about ourselves and how we can support ourselves because it's challenging, but it's possible to free yourself from, from that distress. So, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I, I think even just Maria Sharon mm. will, will put a lot of people even at ease to kind of say, oh, right, okay, I'm not the only one with this, you know, so what can we do about it? Yeah, I, I think, I think we're, there's probably going to be someone sitting listening to us thinking, hang on, that's me, mm. they're describing me. Particularly mm. the bit where Maria said that if she comes under pressure to, like someone might say, cop on, it's just food. Mm. She comes under pressure, that actually shortens the list of things she can eat. Mm. Now, as I said, I want to be very mindful of making any direct comments, of, you know, towards Maria, because I, I, I have no idea, and I, you know, I just want to be quite respectful of that. But that's, you know, it's such a well-articulated point in terms of like the understanding there that it's so important to be getting more. You know, I would always kind of, when working with clients, bring it to the three A's of awareness, acceptance, action, and it's even bringing much more awareness. Okay, like. How is my self-talk? Because even when it comes to, you know, um, obviously it's quite sensory and um, it can be impacted, like I said, it, the, the textures, the, even the thought of it. Every thought is creating a different chemical reaction happening in the body. So when you have a lot of kind of, I can't and I shouldn't and I need to, or even like I have to and this is silly, it can create a lot of adrenaline and cortisol in the body. And as Maria was describing, it actually, cut, the body will then be shutting down and it will be closing up because it's going into almost like a, a, it's a self-defense mode because it's seeing there's like, okay, this is dangerous. So it is about relearning, you know, to actually connect with the body because when we're that distressed around with food, it's actually looking at what's not happening. We're not connected with the body. We're not present. We're not supporting ourselves. We're not being gentle with ourselves. So it's bringing awareness to kind of what's happening at the moment and how we could, okay, what if I was being a best friend to myself? So it's not about sitting someone down and say, right, okay, come on now, let's just have it all in one go. It is about slowly but surely exposing ourselves to the fears and learning the kind of tools to support ourselves and, and saying, okay, like, this is a false evidence appearing real. But it does it does take time, mm. but it is possible. Here's, um, here's a message so straight away. And I, I think in a way this is kind mm. of what we anticipated might happen. And Maria, mm. you're, still, you're still there. You can still hear me reading this. That eating disorder you're talking about, I have it. Today I can eat something. Tomorrow I can't even swallow it. The textures of food drive my mouth crazy. It's mad. Thank you so mm. much for highlighting it and for giving some advice. I think just to wrap with it, I guess, Jacqueline, there is help out there if someone feels this way. Where should they go? 
Absolutely. Like as mentioned there, you know, the, the Call It Out podcast there is there's three seasons dedicated and it's addressing all different distresses. So the disorders that are labelled, it's teaching you how to actually free yourself and different tips and tools to actually um, gain greater knowledge about yourself, your mind, the body and emotions. So you can actually practice some tips and tools. So that might be a helpful resource for people. We have group sessions every Tuesday evening over Zoom, 7.30 to 9, marinotherapycenter.com if there's any more information. But the Call It Out podcast is a free resource there and someone might find it helpful and be able to, to resonate. And thanks for Maria even for just sharing so courageously there her own experiences. Indeed. Maria, thank you for that. And... Um I hope it wasn't too stressful for you to talk about it, but thank you for being with us this morning. And and indeed, uh, Jacqueline, thank you, Jacqueline Campion from the Marino Therapy Centre. And as I said to Maria, also who has ARFID, uh, A-R-F-I-D. Corks 96 FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.